Okay, what's going on, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of Energize. Ross, it's fight week. It's fight week, baby. <laughs> it's fight week. Can you believe it? How UFC long? 252. How long were you Daniel Cormier versus Steve Amy Otich. How long were you sitting there with that on? Man, I woke up with this glove on this morning. Yeah, you wear it every day. But uh, if you are new to the if you are new to the Energy Show, make sure to like, make sure to subscribe, make sure to hit that bell because we're here every week. Uh, Smash we- that subscribe button. That's it. Who was actually you actually signed that glove? But like for people, uh, not, people Sage Norco, um, Cynthia Calvao, Joseph Benavides, Roy Faber. Not bad, like Northbutt. But um. Ross, we have some fight news to go over first before we do go into this weekend's UFC 242. Um, we do indeed. Well, we should probably start from last weekend's uh, main event in the UFC. And it was headlined by Derek Lewis and Alexi Omianik. Uh, Derek Lewis won by TKO. Ross, take it away. Yeah, Derek Lewis. Um, Omianik did well in the first round, but Derek Lewis came out in the second round. Did a flying knee with like a right hand, um, and that's all she wrote. Derek Lewis again did one of his infamous post-fight um interviews. He, he was getting interviewed by I think it was Paul Felder at the time, and he was like, "I need to take a shit," and they were like, "Oh <laughs> shit, are we live?" <laughs> Very Derek Lewis. He's an absolute character. He says there's only three people in that UFC heavyweight division that makes sense for him next: Curtis Blades, Francis Ngannou. Or Alistair Overeem. Baz, out of those three opponents, who do you want to see Derek Lewis fight next? I think Overeem. Keep it standing. Yeah, I, I do like the Overeem fight. I think almost divisionally, I think the Curtis Blades fights probably make the most sense. But I actually want to see him fight Ngannou again. Because I, like, I don't believe if they fought again, it would be the exact same way it happened last time with very little interaction. I know, but like... It was so boring last time that... Yeah, yeah, but I don't think they could do two boring fights in a row. If they have it in the apex, though. Yeah. There's no running away. Cage. Smaller cage. Smaller cage. But, like, the Overeem one, like, like if I was Derek Lewis right now, I'd be like, I should have the win over Ngannou. So, mm. so I don't need to do that again. Yeah, true. And if you fight Curtis Blades, he's just going to get taken down the ground. So... The Overeem keeps them both standing. And if uh, Overeem wants another run at the belt, which would be his like, fifth run at the belt, and possibly last, I think this is the fight, that's the fight to make. Yeah, I, I, do, I, I do like the Overeem fight. And I, like the, I think it's, it's actually winnable for both, if that makes sense. I feel yeah. like Curtis Blades would definitely, unless he gets knocked out in the first five, you know, 50 seconds, I think Curtis Blades would win that fight. As opposed to the Overeem fight, Overeem could try and take him down and finish him on the ground. Overeem also has good enough stand up; he could kind of keep uh, Derek Lewis at a, at a distance. And Derek Lewis is just gonna run around and try and find that chain. And if he does find Overeem's chain, that's probably all she wrote for Overeem. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good notch to get for both guys to move on to potentially take on this uh, weekend's winner. But uh, just, just just looking at that main event, Baz. See, Oli and Enoch came in and weighing a, in a 225 pounds that fight. Was did I see him drop down to low heavyweight? Who knows? Like, he is like, what, 40? Yeah. Absolute Russian murderer. 
<laughs> Arsh, man. Oh, I was Arsh. actually, I was actually looking at his. Uh, you know, he's got like forty submission wins or whatever it is. Yeah. Maybe even fifty submission wins. Who knows? I, it was showing like each submission and like how many times he's got them and all that. It was like eighteen Zeke chokes, thirteen rare nature. I was like, oh my god! Like this guy's record on submissions is actually Freudian. But what age was he when he got into the UFC? Though it must have been thirty. Five, I'd say. Yeah, I'd say he's been in the UFC a solid seven years. Uh, he comes across as one of them people that was never young. He was just always this age. But, yeah. uh, Ross, our mate Chris Wyman got a win over the weekend as well. Uh, a lot of people weren't very impressed with the win, but uh, a win's a win, especially for Chris Wyman. He'd take any win to, to like build his platform up again. Yeah, well, I do think confidence is the issue with Chris Wyman these days. And yeah. The confidence of him getting back in that win column is absolutely massive. Chris Hoyman, for the first time probably since maybe before the Mark Munoz fight, which like people probably don't even remember that when that was, fought was unranked going into a fight. So he went in there unranked, and he beat that Russian cat Akhmedov, and look was the most impressive win of all time. Absolutely not. But I think it puts him right back in to fight someone in the top 10. And that's Chris Wyman's problem. I mean, he never got that tune-up fight. He was always having to fight the best in the world. Uh, Then he sort of had that semi-tune-up fight. And now he's probably going to get back in there with one of the best in the world. That's what happens when you have a big name, Ross, beating uh, Anderson Silva twice in a row. But uh, you did put a post out there the other day with Chris Wyman, your best mate. Yeah. what sort of reaction did you get overall after like getting the feedback? Like, who who do the fans want to see him fight next? Because uh, uh, oh, him versus Darren Till would be interesting. Yeah, that the the sort of consensus was him versus Darren Till, or him versus Luke Rockhold because Rockhold's coming out of retirement and Rockhold Wildman too. That they were sort of the two ones that were talked about most. I think I'd almost prefer the Darren Till fight from, just because I feel like Rockhold is actually sort of that slight bit better than him on the ground. Now, obviously, Wyman's wrestling is actually better, but I think on the ground as a whole, I think Rockhold's slightly better. I think Rockhold's also uh, better on the feet, so I think he actually has a better chance of beating Darren Till. So, I'd like to see for Chris Wyman's career for him to fight Darren Till. That would be very interesting just to see how good Darren Till would get on trying to keep Wyman from mm. taking him down. That would just be very interesting to see, wouldn't it? And yeah, then, like no one's actually tried to absolute wrestled the fuck out of Darren Till. Like, even when Woodley fought him, Woodley knocked him down and then, like, followed him down. No one's actually tried to just wrestle him. It'd be a good win for Darren Till to get as well, being, like, right, beat the mm. former champ as well. Yeah. I, I, I think there's plenty of upside to, to for both people. Yeah. Uh, also on the card, Darren Stewart got a performance of the night win. His last fight was actually on a cage warriors fight. And he, I think he lost that. Yeah. Yeah. But, um... Ross, there was also Bellator on over the weekend and Michael Chandler defeated Benson Henderson for the second time in very impressive fashion. Uh, going into the fight, he was in his last fight of his contract for Bellator. He's almost Mr. Bellator. If you, do, you, do you agree before I ask you to get into any more? Yeah, well, I feel like he's been with Bellator basically his entire professional career. Well, any fight that's meant anything. Uh, he seems to be someone who'd never had their head turned as well. It seems to be he was the loyalist person Bellator have ever had. Yeah. And now he's after letting his contract run out. Yeah. So it'll Ross, be interesting to see 
where he goes next. Ross, he's done it all with Bellator. He's in the lightweight division. Does he now be like, right, UFC, let's give it a go? I know he's a bit older, but um, there's some serious matchups there for him. What age is he now? About 36? Uh, give or take. Well, c- carry on anyway. I'll look it up. But, uh, um, yeah, so what, uh, the way I look at it, Michael Chandler has three options. Number one, he can re-sign with Bellator and fight Pitbull for the lightweight belt. Number two, this is the one I think he's going to go for. He goes to 1FC. 1FC have an awful lot of cash and he goes and he fights Eddie Alvarez in the trilogy. Okay. And number three is he comes to the UFC. I said the UFC might give him that tiny bit more money than Bellator have, but UFC is going to try and put him in there with murderers row and they're going to try and have him go 0-3 in the UFC. And they can say the Bellator guys are not as good as the UFC guys. I could see him being matched up against him like Tony Ferguson in his first out. Jesus. Do you know what? I guess, like he's 34, by the way. I just looked it up. I didn't want to stop your flow. But mm. um, do you know what would have been a brilliant fight? But obviously, we're not going to get it now. What? Gaethje versus Chandler. Yeah, I'd be all about that. Because sort of when Gaethje was the World Series of fighting champion and then uh, Chandler was the Bellator champion, there was that sort of talk of who's the best lightweight outside the UFC. And then that was almost like a fantasy matchup. Yeah. Obviously, in his press conference, post-fight press conference, he was saying that he had destroyed Conor McGregor. Uh, I don't see, really see that fight happening. But um, he, putting him into, in <laughs> putting him in against uh, some of them heads in the top 10 in the UFC would be something serious. And Dana White does like to put the former Bellator people in at the top. Uh, yeah, he does, doesn't he? Yeah, Robbie Lawler versus Ben Askren. But... Um, that Tony Ferguson, like that, that I think that could be the one. Yeah, does he well, want, is that the fight he wants, though? Chandler. Oh, who knows? Maybe, maybe you could fight Dustin Poirier. Uh, I actually like his chances yeah. against majority of the top ten, but it's when you get to that sort of top three or four people, like your Conor McGregor, Khabib, Poirier, Ferguson, uh, you're just, uh, and Gaethje. Like, I don't fancy his chances in there. He goes in the underdog against those guys. Poirier or Ferguson? Do you think you'd get a choice? Do you think if Dana White's like, here, we want to pay you this? No. I think, I think he's you're like, fighting this year fighting. You're, it's like you versus Tony Ferguson. So what we are going to be led to believe now is if he does not sign with the UFC, it's because he was offered Tony Ferguson and he turned it down. No, if he signs with one FC, they're opening up the checkbook and they're doing the Eddie Alvarez trilogy. Um, if you, if you have to rank them, is it going to be is he going to, like what percentage will he go to the UFC, stay with Bellator, or go to one FC? I think sixty percent chance he goes to one FC. I'd say twenty five percent chance he goes to the UFC, and a fifteen percent chance he stays with Bellator. So you're one hundred percent not convinced he's going straight to the UFC. Well, it's just interesting to bring up, but. Uh, yeah, also on that card, Matt Mitrion lost like to Timothy Johnson. Like Matt Mitrion, like, I don't know, I don't know what his buzz is. He doesn't really seem interested. I think he's only there to get a paycheck once a year. You know, and, he's uh, got such potential as well. So it's actually it's almost upsetting to see him just not use it. He does. He's so agile and stuff, and then especially the way he beat Fedor as well. Just that was an unbelievable. That was a crazy fight. But uh, Adam Bartz uh, fought at 150, 150 catchweight. 
150 pounds catch weight fight he won as well he's 15 and 1 so that's someone definitely keep an eye out for but uh, Ross this weekend it's UFC 250 it's time if, if, if you haven't make sure to subscribe Ross UFC 252 it's being headlined by Stipe Miocic against Daniel Cormier for the third time Daniel Cormier won the first time Stipe Miocic won the second time and it's all gone down trilogy Daniel Cormier is meant to retire after this fight there is talks of Miocic retiring after this fight but where do you want to start in the car with this Ross? Uh, we might as well start uh, and kick things off we'll, we'll go down towards the bottom because one person who we're going to see who I'm excited to see him fighting this card is Gilbert Burns' little brother Herbert Burns Herbie as I call him uh, I, I think he looks like a massive prospect down at featherweight I'm very excited to see him fight. Um, I expect him to get the win there. Uh, other than that, the only other prelim fight I'm looking forward to is Jim Miller. This is Jim Miller's 35th UFC fight. What a man. He's an absolute legend. He won 35. his last fight. Huh? 35. Yeah, fights in the UFC. Isn't that mad? How many times do you think he's changed his entrance music? I think he comes out the same song every time, you know? <laughs> We'll have to and, get him uh, that. He won his last fight against. He's actually three and won his last four fight fights. He's beaten uh, Ruzza Roberts and Clay Guida in, in those last four fights. So he's looking good. But Vince from Hell Pichel, your mate Basmo, he also beat Roosevelt Roberts in his last fight. That must be very like random to have both beaten the same fella in your last fight going into your next fight. Um, but I don't know. He's lost by uh, an arm triangle before uh, to Gregor Gillespie. Now, we know Gregor Gillespie is a uh, top-of-the-range uh, lightweight prospect. So I just think the fact that Vince has been submitted before makes me favour Jim Miller. I'd agree with you there, Ross. Um, also in the bantamweight division, John Dodson has taken on Merrill to Vashvili. Yeah. I'm not like really overly blown away by this fight to be honest, to kick off the main card. John Dodson's always in, in a fun fight, but his days as like a title challenger are probably in the past, if we're really honest about it. Yashvili, on the other hand, he's won his last four fights in the UFC. However, if you want to call a spade a spade, they're all absolute decisions. So as uh, Conor McGregor would call him, a decision merchant. So who knows? Um, I expect another decision here. Both guys are hard to put away. If I had to pick someone, I'd pick Yashvili by split decision. I feel like Johnson's always in a controversial decision. Yeah, John Dodson, all, like, he seems undersized for bantamweight as well, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he really is a flyweight. And I don't think he should try his hand back at flyweight now with uh, Figueroa as champ. I think that's like an interesting style matchup. Figueroa. Figueroa, yeah. uh, by the way, taking on... Cody uh, Garmand. That's, that's savage. Yeah, that's... That's a great fight. What you make, make, flyweight, make flyweight relevant again. Yeah, but what do you think of that? Like, I saw that and I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I was like, that's a brilliant fight to have. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing what Cody looks like at 125. Uh, Figueroa's looks like an absolute vicious killer in there. And I think that was always Demetrius Moimus Johnson's problem. No one actually feared him. He was like so nice that when he was beating people, it was really like, sorry, I had to do that to you, man. But I had to kick grasp, and then that was it. There was just something like he was almost like too likable that it wasn't. You weren't 
dying to watch him as opposed to Figueroa's like violence personified. Yeah, everything's thrown yeah. with bad intentions. Yeah, like well, like I know. First of all, it's going to be a, it's going to be difficult for both men to make it to 125 pounds. But um, what's your early prediction for that fight, Ross? I like Figueroa by knockout. I think, like we saw when Dillashaw went down to 125 pounds, even using the EPO, I think draining that extra bit of water way out of your body, I think, makes you more susceptible to the knockout. Yeah, especially what he's been knocked out three of his last four fights as well. I was thinking of Figueroa as well, but um, I can't wait to see that fight anyway because if yeah. Cody wins again, he's all of a sudden a star again, really. But, yeah, and you have Valentina Shevchenko on that card as well, defending her flyweight belt against Jennifer Moya, who just beat Joanne Calderwood there. So uh, it's, a, it's an all-flyweight affair at UFC 255. Yeah. But uh, also on this card, uh, Junior Dos Santos has taken Jarcino Rosenstrike in heavyweight division. Uh, this is obviously on the card, just in case Miocic or Cormier like, gets sick and can't fight. Well, touch wood, that doesn't happen. But, or else this video is totally irrelevant. But... Uh, Ross, Junior Santos seems to be coming back a bit. Rosenstrike's coming off a devastating KO loss to uh, Francis Ngannou. What are you expecting here? Yeah, well, both these guys are coming in off losses. Uh, JDS lost to Blades and previously lost to Ngannou. But he, has, he looks in very good physical shape. I think it's the best shape I've ever seen him in from a physical standpoint. He looks very jacked. Um, Rosenstrike got absolutely murdered by Ngannou in his last fight but then again most people do it's a bit of a tough one I think this one's going to be played out on the feet Junior Santos has excellent boxing from a technical standpoint and obviously Rosen- Rosenstrike has that kickboxing background I think Rosenstrike's going to win by knockout I think he's going to eventually find JDS's chin do you yeah yeah oh, actually- and that breaks my heart because JDS is like one of my favourite fighters I, know, I think you need to retire the glove there, man. But uh, yeah, I actually think JDS is going to win this one. I know it's in a close, it's more smaller octagon, but um, I just see JDS winning this fight. I'm not sure why. Maybe the Rosa strike coming back in off that KO loss. Is my, you know what I'm actually looking at here, right? <laughs> I have JDS's record in front of me, right? And he's beaten Tai Tuivasa, Derek Lewis, Lagoi Ivanov, Ben Rothwell. Right, and also Mark Hunt, like during his last like sort of five ten uh, fights, yeah. I was going, they're sort of like dad body, and, uh, and the people he's like lost to are like Steve Miocic, Alistair Overeem, Ngannou, and Curtis Blades, like the guys who are like the fitter guys. I more consider Rosenstrike in a sort of a a dad bod era than I would, uh, you know, jacked muscle man. No, I'd say Rosenstrike's more more jacked than. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, what would you say to Santos is? Well, now right now he's jacked. He's jacked, but like I always thought he was sort of lighter on the feet. If that makes sense. I just think I think Rosenstrike's a bit undersized in this division. Well, that could have been just going up against Ngannou, but Dos Santos is clearly a heavyweight. I don't think Rosenstrike's a definite heavyweight, but. Uh, yeah, well, you're going Rosenstrike, I'm going to Santos. But, uh, I don't think he's definitely heavyweight. I always thought, like, he, I'm pretty sure he like, tips the scales at 250, you know? Was he? It could have been just the way he was going up against... Um, Ngannou. 
he just didn't look as big. But who does? I remember we. Uh, actually, well, maybe that's maybe that's why I think he's like slightly chubbier than he is because like when you stand next to Ganu, like you're definitely going to look the less physically imposing. Yeah, for people that don't know, when we were actually when Ross actually got that glove, Francis and Ganu walked by, and it was like a total eclipse. Like it was like it was like uh, the moon. The sun was blocked by Ngannou, uh, and so we were afraid to ask him for a photo. I feel like I should do something with this glove, but I don't really know what I want. What I like, I'm actually meant to do about it. Yeah, but like Ross, one of the one of the main reasons everyone's going to be paying for the pay per view this weekend is obviously the return of your best mate, Sugar Sean O'Malley. He's taking on Marlon Vera uh, in the bantamweight division. Sean O'Malley coming off one of the like best knockouts we've seen since COVID, and. Uh, He's just an absolute star, Ross. What, what can we say about Sean O'Malley here? He really, really is. Uh, funny enough, he's after dyeing his hair the Ecuador flag colours and his opponent, Marlon Vera, is from Ecuador. Sean O'Malley is one of the most graceful fighters, I would say, that we've seen in the UFC in a very, very long time. His knockout of Eddie Wineland was absolutely spectacular and I think he's coming in and he's looking to do something very, very similar to Marlon Vera. Now, Marlon Vera is not an easy man to put away. He's actually never been knocked out and he's never been submitted. So this is that step up in competition that Sean O'Malley is looking for. Yeah, is Marlon Vera is what, won six of the last seven fights in the UFC? Is that, is that what the record is? Uh, I don't, yeah, one, two, three, four. He's won five of his last six. Five, five of his last six. six. And he's still yeah. not ranked. Yeah, but he hasn't actually be, like the times he's actually fought sort of opponents with good or na- with better names. Like he fought John Lineker, he fought uh, Douglas Silva, DeAndre, he fought Song Yudong. He actually lost. So anytime he's come up against a notable opponent, he hasn't got the win. Yeah. But he, he he himself, on the other hand, is a finisher. Out of those last five wins, he finished all of his opponents. It's just when you look at Sean O'Malley, you're like, this fella's a superstar. Yeah, everything from the way he dyes his hair, even his dog, his dog's hair is dyed as well. It's just uh, so captivating. Like when, you're, when I'm watching Embedded, I fast forward to this part, you know, like you're just like, what's he going to do next? And everything he does is so interesting. It literally is Conor McGregor 2.0. It's obviously Sean O'Malley. The Sugar Show is totally different, but it's just that same attraction to greatness is just uh, he he has it all in abundance yeah you do get that feel of superstar often yeah what else is it Ross like I mean even when we interviewed him you were, you, you were like so excited <laughs> I, I think it's just knowing that you're talking to someone who's going to achieve so much he like his merch sells out so fast and he seems to almost have a, a nonchalant way about him but he also is he's quite intelligent as well. So there's that sort of feel of everything. He he knows all the eyes are on him and then he does particular things because he knows the eyes are on him. And I just feel like as Dana White says, some people have the if factor and he has it. Yeah. Exactly. Well like it, can we just overlook Merlin Bear here or is it or what what are you thinking? Do you think or is it just look I, I think he's gonna be stuff? I think he's going to be very, very tough to put away, but I think he will be put away. I think O'Malley's ability to gauge the distance and his ability to get in now on strikes, I think that's what's going to really get him the job done. If I was Marlon Vera here, I'd probably go in with more of a wrestling um, base and I'd try and take him down and 
see if you can get the job done on the ground. I feel like Sean O'Malley's stand-up is better than his ground game. And I'd want to play Sean O'Malley where he's worse. Sean O'Malley's actually so tall as well for that division as well. Mm-hmm. Very, very long. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we're going Sean O'Malley then? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think he's going to win TKO round two. Good show. I, I, I think so as well. It's just, hopefully it does go into round two because like, when you're watching it, you, you want it to last longer. You're just like, whoa, everything he throws is just uh, so original and exciting. But uh, in the main event for us, the champion Stipe Miocic is taking on Daniel Cormier for the third time, if you haven't already said. Have you, watched, have you been watching the build-ups the, the build for these on the embeddeds or the countdown as well? Yeah, Stipe looks in the best shape I've ever seen him in. He looks slimmer. He looks stronger. He looks great. Yeah, he does um, look great, doesn't he? Yeah, and it's almost made me question how... Because if you asked me two months ago, I would have been DC definitely to win, and I would have been very certain over. But seeing Stipe in this like great shape, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, uh, I, I think <clears throat> if I was... 90% sure Daniel Cormier was going to win. I'm probably down to about 60% chance uh, or certainty Daniel Cormier is going to win. Also, like hearing like DC's like train out of his house and uh, he's like created his own little bubble as opposed to, I feel like Steve Baby and a firefighter is out with the public anyway. So I think it'd be less judged if he had multiple training partners in the, in, in the octagon and in the practice room with him. Well, if you're looking at that, Ross, just let me interrupt there. Who is Stipe going to get in to train with him in Cleveland? Whereas uh, in, on the UC countdown, DC was training with Cain uh, Velasquez. Yeah, I think, I know in the past, Stipe has trained with Curtis Blades. I don't know if he still trains with him, but maybe someone like that. I'm not 100% too sure who Stipe's training partners are. I don't feel like Stipe's ever had like that famous training partners. Um, but look, at the end of the day, these two are going to show up in Vegas, UFC 252. It's going to be the main event. It's going to be Stipe Miocic versus Daniel Cormier 3. It's the trilogy, and the winner is going to leave the GOAT, the greatest heavyweight of all time. Baz, <laughs> who is going to win it, and how are they getting it done? Oh, like, as you said, beforehand watching the embeddeds and the countdown it made you seem like like Stipe looks really really good but in the first fight Cormier won the second fight Cormier I think won was win, won the first three rounds in my eyes and sort of ragdolling a bit and, and then got caught he looked, he looked a bit tired then when he got knocked out and like Stipe said himself it took him 18 minutes to find his feet but I don't really believe that I think Cormier sort of just gassed a bit so I'd have to go with Cormier. And like, if this is meant to be Cormier's last ever fight, he, like he's going to want to go out with a bang, especially winning so much. Whereas, I don't know if... Does Steve, how, how much longer is Steve going to hang around as well? I don't know if he's ever... He, I don't know if he's going to be sticking around long either. Yeah. My person taking it is... Like I said, I do fancy, fancy Daniel Cormier to win this fight. I agree with you. He won the first fight, knockout in the first round. Second fight... He was winning that fight. He got tired. He, for, he forgot to bring his wrestling shoes. He forgot that he was an Olympic-level uh, uh, wrestler. And he just decided to 
do it on the feet. I think it's Actually, going to be knocked him out on the feet in the first round. I think he thought he'd be able to, or in the first fight, he'd be able to do it again. And the next thing you know, um, Stipe Miocic started going to the body. And those body shots were both beautiful and horrific for Daniel Cormier to be taken. They were vicious. And Stipe Miocic got the job done. If you look at the two fights as a whole, uh, I think on average the two fights are about 23 minutes in total. Daniel Cormier has been 20 minutes of those fights. Uh, that's why I think he's going to get the job done here. He can take down Stipe Miocic whenever he wants. That's the level of wrestler Daniel Cormier is. I think he will take him down a bit, especially in the first two rounds, take him down quite a bit, get him tired, and then finish him on the feet in the third. Yeah, you did mention as well, he wasn't able to train wrestling in the build mm. to the last fight as well because he's back. So, I suppose, you know, all systems are go for both guys. So, you'd have to favour Daniel Cormier as well. Mm. And tell me this. Who's retiring on Saturday night? Are any of them retiring on Saturday night? Yeah, Sean O'Malley. <laughs> uh, if Daniel Cormier wins, does he retire or does he go fight John Jones? You could bring up the Brock Lesnar thing again. Could bring up the John Jones thing again. I think Daniel Cormier wants to retire in front of a packed stadium or mm. an arena, not just in a quiet with a with a whimper. But like you don't always get the the send off you really want. Some people want to leave it a win. Some people leave it a loss. Would it not be absolutely epic to see Daniel Cormier fight John Jones in the apex and like be able to hear what they're saying to each other? Yeah. Yeah. Or else, or else I, I do feel like Daniel Cormier wouldn't fight Ngannou. Oh my god! Look, if he gets an early win, why not? Why, why not go again? I, mm. I don't know. You know I mean, these lads are fighters for life. Yeah, they 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 are. And look, Stipe, he's still working with the fire department. He's <laughs> doing his thing. Uh, so I like love, like. <laughs> The glove. This is the power of the picks. The glove uh, is. The glove um, is Oh no! I think Daniel Cormier is not in a much better position to retire than Stipe is, in terms of like doing a show with Ariel Hawani now. He's on ESPN, just the commentary. Like Stipe just does a bit of firefighting, so I don't think Stipe is going to retire, especially if he's making six or seven hundred grand every fight. Like, that's that's too good money to be turning down. I know. But, like, uh, are people really clamoring to see Stipe Miocic, really? I don't really think so. I know it, I know the winner of this is the, the the GOAT in the heavyweight division. But still, not a lot of people like that. Like, like I know the diehard fans obviously obviously know Stipe mm. Miocic, but, like, there's sort of not many people, other people do, really. Yeah, I, I think it's... From personality standpoint, no one's going to see him do an interview, and I think like that's such a massive thing in the sport. If you can give him a good interview, it makes you so much more popular, and like, that's why people he... love Sean O'Malley and they love Daniel Cormier, and you know, obviously they love Conor McGregor. They give you those sort of one lines. Stipe sort of just is almost like he was media trained just to say the most uncontroversial thing of all time. Yeah, but they, like uh, that, that could be from. Doing his job like a very, very well respected job from the community, mm. being a firefighter. So he's not going to be like saying like "fuck your mom" and all this sort of shit. You know what I mean? But he's there saving cats and people from burning buildings. 
you know, obviously firefighters do more than that, but you know what I mean. But uh, yeah. I, I don't really know if you can get more out of him. He's almost like in that Demetrius Johnson complex where if people aren't going to be as more, as interested. Like the the UFC are making the thumbnail Sean O'Malley more than making him steep in the outage. And do you know what? Like I remember he won the title, and then Cleveland won the NBA, and he got to go celebrate with everyone. He was really like celebrated, yeah. yeah. And then once he lost the title, they almost turned their back on him in a way. I I don't know if I go as far as say they turned their back on him, but I'm sure a lot less people are getting photos of him in Cleveland and are dying to see his next fight sort of thing. Yeah. But uh, one thing that is also a bit strange in the trilogy for Stipe Miocic is that Stipe Miocic will now fight Daniel Cormier three times in a row. I don't think anyone in the UFC history has ever fought the same person three times in a row. I actually wasn't aware of that. Because Cormier, remember he wants to He fought Derek Lewis. He fought Derek yeah. yeah. So, Steve Miocic is going to fight someone three times in a row. I don't think it's ever happened in UFC, let alone for uh, the title each time. Do we make the prediction now? What happens next? Or is that what you want to do on next week's show? I forget which way you were doing that. No, we have to make a prediction who's going to win the fight. But in terms of... Well, I'll put it this way. I predict Daniel Cormier is going to win and I predict he will not retire. Yeah, I think Daniel Cormier is going to win. And will he retire? I think he could retire, but then be like, I'm coming back. Like Conor McGregor's retired three times now, you know? Yeah, I think probably higher chance that you're right that he makes some form of retirement speech and then gets the itch. Yeah, then gets the itch. Yeah, when when crowds are allowed back in. Yeah, because I'm sure he'd love to do his retirement fight in uh, Louisiana. Yeah, why not? Yeah. yeah. So we're we're all saying um so we're I'm saying we're both saying uh, Sean O'Malley and Daniel Cormier wins in the main event and co-main event of UFC 252. Check it out this Saturday night live from the Apex Las Vegas, Nevada. Be there or be square. Yeah. Uh, just uh, two other things to go over quickly as well for wrap things up in boxing. Our good mate John O'Carroll is taking on Hughes, it says here on the card, uh, <laughs> today, Wednesday the 12th, that's going down. And also this weekend on Saturday night, the wet your whistle before UFC, uh, Carl Frampton's fighting Darren Trainer for the, in the, it's a junior lightweight contender fight, and Michael Conlon is fighting against Sofiane Takut in, in a featherweight contender fight. That's going down in the BT studio in London, that's this Saturday as well. So, like, there's, a, there's loads of action going down, Ross. Yeah, there is. Uh, combat sports is really, really kicking on. And we're probably not far away now from Cage Taylor uh, having her fight as well. Yeah, Cage Taylor, 22nd of August. And also, Cage Warriors announced his comeback as well. Shout out to Ian Gary. He's going to be fighting on that Friday, the 25th of, the, of September. From yeah, he's fighting Jordan McManus. He's going to knock him out. Yeah. So, that wraps it up. Anything else to say? No, guys. Thanks a million for watching. Make sure to like, share, subscribe. And as always, stay energized. Stay energized.